Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Have you ever considered that changing the way you start your day could transform your life? Well, today's guest, Glenn Lundy, believes how you choose to start your mornings can be life-changing. He is the father to one, husband to one, (laughs) father to eight. (laughs) We certainly hope it's just the one. Husband to one, father to eight, host of the wildly popular Facebook live show, Rise and Grind, and the top clubhouse group, Breakfast with Champions. He's been seen on places like Hustle and Grind Con, Grow Your Business for God's Sake, and many more stages across the country. Glenn has been spotlighted on ABC, NBC, and CBS, just to name a few. And he is an expert in the dealership culture development and in leadership training. He has 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Welcome to the show, Glenn Lundy. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Duck. To Janie Lacey, always a pleasure to be in the same space as you. You're amazing. And always a pleasure to hear that Kentucky accent. <laughs> so let's just Developed kick off over time. Developed over time. That's what I say about Florida. People are like, where's your New York accent? It's gone. <laughs> I'm like, right. I've been That's in Florida right. for 20 years. <laughs> Indeed. But you know, uh, what, what people want to know, right? So if they don't know who Glenn Lundy is, I'm introducing them for the first time to who Glenn Lundy is. What do you want people to know about you? Who is Glenn Lundy? Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, there's a reason in my title, I always put a husband to one and a father to eight, because uh, that's, that's my most important legacy out of all of the the other things that I do. Uh, I, I I thoroughly love my my wife and my family and that whole dynamic. I have a lot of kids, man, a lot of kids, babies everywhere, and uh, yeah. So that's a huge part of who I am. I'm also uh, a believer. I believe that the the God of the universe that we are all children of God, and so I'm a believer in that. And then put those things on top, and then after that, I'm really just a guy who feels incredibly blessed to have an opportunity to to serve humans. And uh, my goal every day, every single day is to motivate, educate and inspire people uh, all across the globe to be the best versions of themselves that they can possibly be. And that's, uh, that's Glenn in a nutshell. (laughs) To motivate, inspire and to educate. You know, speaking of that, you discuss in the morning five, that there are five simple steps to live in that extraordinary life that Mel Robbins wrote a book called The Five Second Rule that taught you things you never knew about yourself. So take us back to that time in your life, Glenn. So what do we see that was motivating and inspiring you to even pick up Mel Robbins' book that helped you set you on the course of even creating the, the morning five? So if we were to go back, what do we see? What was happening in Glenn's life? Yeah, so I'm a self-development junkie, that's for sure. And I have studied successful humans from all around the planet for quite a while now, and I'm a very simple human. So we can take complex things, right? Like lots of books, lots of successful people, and we can look at them individually, or we can find a theme. I'm about like, let's find the common theme in all of this to simplify it. And what I found is every successful human out there 
has a good solid morning routine. They have a way that they tap into mind, body, and spirit first thing in the morning. And so I tried lots of different things from different people, different types of routines, like cold showers, not for me. I'm just saying, I know some people are all about that. I'm not about that life, but I tried all these different things. And ultimately, uh, one of the things that I came across was Mel Robbins and her five second rule. And in there, she talks about uh, the snooze button, right? And she goes all the way back to to talk about who we were in caveman days and why certain sleep cycles are the way that they are and what ultimately happens from a scientific standpoint when we hit the snooze button. And so that was a piece for me that I was missing kind of in my morning routine. I didn't realize that the snooze button was the devil. And so I added that piece and uh, uh, to, to my overall routine and ultimately was able to create five simple steps that anybody can do every single day that ultimately lead to an extraordinary life. And they all start with that. Step one, never hit the snooze button. That's number one on the list. Thanks to Mel Robbins and her research and my, and now my understanding of sleep cycles and how it works. And you have never hit the snooze button is what you're telling us. <laughs> never, not since then, not since I read and understand that. So just so now, now there's been times where I've slept in, but uh, I definitely don't hit the snooze button anymore. It really is the devil. It's a liar. It sells you this idea that 10 more minutes of sleep is going to make you feel more rested. When in reality, that extra 10 minutes is going to make you more lethargic for the next 90 minutes to three hours so it's really removing you from your peak production. It's really, really a bad thing. And I believe that since I met you, I hear that voice and I have not hit the snooze button. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at 4.45 in the morning, every morning or 4.30 uh, sometimes. I love but you, it. But you talk about being that self-development junkie. So I know that you are on a journey of um, physical fitness with uh, celebrity trainer Mark uh, Jenkins. So tell us about what's inspiring. You know, that sounds like you're always developing and trying to get better. So what's going on now? You know, my daughter, my youngest daughter is six months old and I'm 43, right? And so I start thinking, like, what is this kid going to need from me? What, what, is, what is my daughter going to need from me when she's 13, when she's 15, when she's 17, when she's, when she's 20, right? How many of her boyfriends am I going to have to be able to still beat up, right? Like, I think about these things uh, all of the time. And so more so now than ever, because I am starting to notice that I've gotten a little bit older, that I'm not a young 20-year-old uh, uh, young, you know, a young, young buck, as they say, I'm not as young anymore. And so since I'm starting to notice and feel my body at certain times, it just made me realize like, bro, we're not even halfway there. Like we've got a long way to go. And the last thing I want to do is be in a position later where I'm not capable to serve my daughter the way that she needs to be served. And then trying to do something about it. Right. Like, Right now, I'm capable. I'm strong. My arms work. My legs work. My back works. Everything's strong. So making the transition now to reward the old person that exists in me later and to also be able to be there for my daughter uh, just makes it just makes sense to do it now versus regretting it down the road. So your oldest daughter is, is it 20? My oldest daughter is 22. 22. And then your yeah. youngest daughter is six months and then everything in between. <laughs> well, yeah, we have a 10 year gap. So my oldest is 22. And then my second oldest, actually 11 years is only 11. 
And then the next six are all from 11. Well, there's seven of them that are 11 years old and younger. So needing that physical energy and uh, being able to be physically capable for quite some time, not only to serve you well, but to serve your family well. <laughs> Gotta have it, right? Gotta be Love there. it. Absolutely. You know, I read one of your quotes where you say that the, your heart will take your places that your mind and your body never will as we talk about body. But share with us, what exactly does that mean to the person who's living, Glenn, that nine to five? And they're thinking there must be more to this life. What does that mean? Yeah, I think, um, you know, our heart is is so powerful. It's it's the lifeblood of everything, right? And we see this in our world all of the time. And sometimes we see it, we're fascinated by it, and then we dismiss it and we continue on. But our physical bodies are only capable of so much, right? And our when it comes to our mind, we only know what we know. There's we, we don't know what we don't know. And 95% of our decisions and thoughts every day are based on pre, you know, things that have happened in our past, uh, belief systems that we have, things that we've been told. Uh, very rarely is it an independent thought in our minds. Now, when it comes to our heart, though, our heart can take us places that the mind and body can't in the sense like we've seen the mom lift the car off of a child right like because their heart they love this child so much that they can overcome their limiting beliefs in their mind they can overcome their physical deficiencies and ultimately lift a freaking car off a kid right and we see this and when we fall in love for the first time and we were just on the phone no you hang up no you hang up no you hang up no you hang up and we would do anything for this but we'll climb down we'll climb out three-story windows to try to sneak out in the middle of the night we'll we'll hide in in dark corners we'll face any monsters battles or fears we'll do anything for love right because it comes from the heart and i just truly believe that the more of our lives that we can spend in that place of passion, if we can spend more of our life doing the things that we love, right, that are deeply seated in us, that it can take us far further than our mind or our bodies ever could. That passion and that heart, it's all the stuff that puts the fire underneath us. That's it. As uh, we so elegantly have seen with you. You know, one of the things that you had just said that made me think of this memory, you talk about the mom who lifts up the car because it's the heart. You know, I remember when my son, Rylan, is nine now. But he had to be, I don't know, Glenn, maybe four or five. And I was out in the yard, had a crepe myrtle uh, tree. And let's just be honest, crepe myrtle was not a heavy tree. And it died. <laughs> and he's looking out the window and I'm pulling up this uh, crepe myrtle. And he was looking out the window and I saw him looking just in awe that his mom was pulling up this tree, which uh, to hit that little mine, it seems so strong. Right. And he's just there watching at the window and <laughs> shock, like so right. I had to put a little bit in just to entertain him. But you know, that made me think of that, <laughs> that moment. He just thought that his mom was just so strong. Right. But it was in that heart space that I saw him watching that I wanted to entertain him um, and let him live in that moment of mom being the super, super, having the yeah, super totally. cake for sure. You blew his mind, right? <laughs> you blew his mind. And that's, we, we all need more moments in life that blow our minds. For sure. Absolutely. And now he's nine and he thinks he's my boss. He was teaching me how to fish yesterday. <laughs> I feel you. I got, I got lots of little bosses in the house these days. No doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. I bet you do. So when you know, talk about going back to motivation and inspiration and education, let's look at the motivation for a minute. 
When we think of Glenn Lundy, we're opening the curtains of Glenn Lundy's life, so to speak. What motivates him? We're assuming all the eight children, but what gets you up out of morning and doing rise and grind, breakfast with champions, you have heart, soul, consistency, and you do it in a way that if you're having a bad day, we would not be able to tell. So what do you think about what gets you motivated? What can you share with us? Yeah, so as I was studying successful humans and reading all of the books and all of the things, uh, I came across this one book and it was, uh, it's the best-selling book of all time, right? This is a book that sold 3.6 billion copies, 3.6 billion. So the second best-selling book of all time is the Harry Potter series, and they sold 700 million, right? Mm. This book sold 3.6 billion copies. And so uh, some people may know the book. It's called The Bible, and I read it. When I read it, it was the story of this uh, of this of this guy named Jesus, and it was fascinating to me that this one human, two thousand plus years ago, would walk or ride a camel or a donkey or whatever, right, across miles of desert, uh, face treacherous conditions weather and uh, people wanting to kill him and 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 uh, take his life and disease and all of the things that existed 2000 years ago. It's not like he had a car. It's not like he had protection. It's not like he had technology or he could pull up his weather app on his phone and see what it was going to be like so he could plan his trips. Right. And so he would face all of these things every single day, ultimately to get an audience of like 10 people or maybe 15, or maybe sometimes he got bigger audiences, four or 500 as he became more, more famous, or at times it was just an audience of one, right? And so when I think about what the impact that he was able to make to where now it's the best-selling book of all time, it's a story that has transformed people's lives for 2,000 years, all because he was committed and dedicated to showing up for one, for 10, for 15, for 40, Right. And so ever since I read that book and I saw how that man carried himself, I do believe that we have a born on date and an expiration date. And the dash in the middle is all about impact. What kind of impact can we make in other people's lives? And so I'm grateful that I'm alive in 2021 where I, Dr. Janie, I don't even have to be wearing pants right now. I am in this air conditioned building, right? I got the nice fancy cameras. We got the the uh, the sound guys like check one, two, check one, two, five, four, three, right? Like it is so easy now for us to deliver a message compared to what this dude had to do. So if that guy could do what he's done without any of this, I can only imagine what we can do. Now that we are connected to 7 billion people, we do have technology. We can deliver a message of hope instantaneously across millions of miles, right? It's fascinating to me. So that's what really motivates me is I have this desire to make an impact in other people's lives. And I feel like I'm born and exist and live in the most incredible time that it's very simple. It's like I said before, Janie, I am a simple human. Find, find the simple path. And it's much more simple than it has been before. And so if not me, who? If not now, when? And that's what gets me rocking and rolling. If not me, then who? 
That's right. Let's go to that inspiration. And I'm going to turn a question that I've heard you ask your guest time and time again. I think you know exactly what I'm about to ask you. So let's put Glenn on the top of that mountaintop. So he's inspiring. He has a he's a minute to two minutes to inspire all those people who are chanting, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. What does Glenn say? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't I want to I want to put a little disclaimer here. Uh, I am a spiritual being and I do believe wholeheartedly in God, the God of the universe. God made everything. And I also uh, understand that everybody's path to spiritual understanding looks very, very different, right? My path was non-believer for a very long period of time. Uh, I, I spent my life being just all about mind and body. And it wasn't until I did some real searching in my identity and who I am that I started to learn whose I am. And ultimately, I found my path to spiritual enlightenment through Jesus and the Bible, right? So I just put that out there because I don't want to make anybody like uncomfortable about different belief systems, just 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 so we're clear clear on that. But with that said, if I was on top of a mountain, the first thing, the, 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 the words that I believe are the most important is I would tell everyone, listen, you are a child of God, the God of the universe, the God that made everything. And as a child of God, you have been given this ability, the ability to create. You can create a life of wealth. You can create a life of abundance. You can create a family dynamic, whatever it is that you want. You can create your life. You are not a victim to the external. You are the creator. You are the catalyst of all things, both negative and positive in your life. And then Janie, what I would say to them is I would say, let me give you an example because a lot of people have a hard time like accepting this. It's hard to accept that you are a creator with the ability to create that sometimes that's hard, right? And so I would say to them, Janie, if you and I were walking down the street and we saw LeBron James's son, right? And I was like, Hey, Dr. Jenny, that's LeBron James's son right there. We would both assume right out the gate that because he's LeBron James's son, he probably has some type of athletic gift or ability. The dude could probably play basketball if he wanted to. Now, I don't know him. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. But we would all safely assume that because of his DNA, that he has this special gift. And I say the same to you. You, as a child of God, the creator of everything, the creator of all, the creator of universe, you have that in your DNA. You have that gift and that talent and that ability. And when it comes to trying to describe who God is, the the best word that we can use is God is the creator. So you, Dr. Janie, are a creator. And all of those that are sitting at the base of the mountain right now, as we're up here, I want you to know that you are a creator. So go out there and create, create the life that you dream, create a life of impact, create a legacy that will be remembered for generations to come, create a life filled with happiness, with positivity, and be motivated, be inspired to go out there and be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. That's what I would say. Well, then we hear, Glenn, we hear the roar of the crowd as they feel motivated (laughs) and inspired. (laughs) Great. That's awesome. So let's let's pretend like now we're looking back. Glenn's at that mountaintop. They're cheering, they're roaring. And now we're going back in time to that moment or those moments that 
you made that decision to come from non-believer to believer. What was that decision for you? Yeah, so the decision was kind of made for me. Um, I was just a huge advocate living a very Darwinistic lifestyle. It was survival of the fittest. If I could get over on you, that was your fault, not mine. There were no long-term consequences. And I took advantage of a lot of people, burned a lot of bridges, made a lot of enemies. And ultimately, that lifestyle led me to uh, homelessness. It led me, homelessness led to hopelessness. Hopelessness led to suicidal thoughts. Suicidal thoughts led to a suicide attempt where I tried to drown myself in the Pacific Ocean. And literally, I was plucked out of the ocean, placed on the beach. And it was in that moment that you can call it God or intuition or a thought or whatever you want to call it. But I heard these words whispered in my ear and, and, the, and the words were, you take yourself wherever you go. And these were words that I had heard before from Jason Kitts, my mentor, long time ago when I was 20 years old, he had told me that. And so I thought about that sentence, you take yourself wherever you go, as I lay there on the beach, looking at the stars, realizing how small my problems really were and how big the universe actually was. And I thought about that and I thought, you know, that's so right. Like I've lived in different cities, different states, had different friends, different jobs, have been in different clubs, different positions, different whatever. And the result is always the same. The only thing that's been a constant in my life is me. I'm the only thing that was there. And that was eye-opening for me, Janie, because I was like, okay, wait a minute. If I am the catalyst of all these negative things in my life, then the scientist in me was like, well, does that mean I can be the catalyst of good things in my life? Like if I'm the catalyst of the bad, it only makes sense. I can control the good. And so I started, I had to figure out who I was because that, that, you know, I'm just a curious person. I'm a student. I love to learn. So I'm like, wait a minute, I have this power to be the catalyst. I'm creating all these things in my life. I have to learn more about that. Why is that? Where does that come from? And so that sent me down the journey where I started to study uh, successful humans and I started to study Buddhism and Christianity and I started to study all of these things because I wanted to know who I was. And there's only one way to figure out who you are is you have to know where you've come from. It's the only way. Your your heritage, your path, your your DNA is important to figure out your identity. And so in my studies, I had no idea I was headed into a path of believing I didn't know that at the time. I just knew I was trying to find self and you can't find self without realizing that we are actually spiritual beings, not just mind and body. And that's what opened up those doors for me. So then when you had that mindset shift, that's what it sounds like. And what were some of the practical things that you did to develop that faith from that moment in time? Yeah. So books, <laughs> lots of books and getting around the right people. So I started with a, a controversial book called Dianetics. And Dianetics is is uh, ultimately the religion Scientology is built around uh, Dianetics written by L. Ron Hubbard back in the 1950s. And Dianetics was the first book that I read that opened my mind and uh, uh, just open, basically opened me to this idea that we may be more than just mind and body, that there might be a spiritual aspect. And so I studied that. And then I studied in Scientology uh, for six months. And I studied 
uh, communication and I learned to audit a lot of things that were deep down in my subconscious mind, bring them to the conscious so I can get an understanding of the childhood traumas and how they were affecting me as an adult, right? And so uh, I took that path, just becoming a real student. Ultimately, Scientology wasn't for me as, as a whole. I, I still have some friends that I know and love that are Scientologists, but it just wasn't wasn't for me. And so from there, I had to find that outside thing. You see, Dr. Janie, I think a lot of people don't realize this. Like, if you don't have something outside of, it's like something bigger than you to live for, life becomes really difficult, like super, super difficult, right? When you're trying to live for self. And it's the same thing with a business. If you're running a business and your employees don't have something bigger to, to show up for than just what you're doing, then your employee retention numbers, you know, they, they, they dwindle. It's hard to, it's hard to keep people. We all want to be a part of something bigger. And so practical application steps, pick up books, get around people that are, that will expand your thinking, understand that you don't know what you don't know. And the only way that you can start to have independent thoughts uh, the only way that you can really start to have independent thoughts is is externally. You have to get outside of yourself and figure out what that bigger mission is. You mentioned dark moments of childhood. I'm a big believer that we share our story only to inspire other people. I always say like, when, we, when we go to Italy, you know, I remember going to Italy for a month years ago and I'm looking at all these ruins, Glenn, and I didn't know what I was looking at. So I pick up books, right? We're looking at what was there to, to study to understand what these ruins are all about or what's the significance of these ruins that we're looking at. So when you reflect back, I mean, what would be some of the greatest pain points that you now see and all the work that you've done in your childhood that even though that they were painful, they needed to happen to develop this Glenn that I've met um, in this past year. What are some of those yeah. things that you can share with us? Yeah, sure. So the most impactful one is my parents got divorced when um, I was 11 years old and my mom is white. Dad is black. They got divorced and ultimately uh, married new humans and the new humans that they married. It was interesting. My dad, who's black, married a black woman. My mom, who's white, married a white dude. And then they ended up moving into Greenlaw Garden Apartments, 2600 East 7th Avenue in Flagstaff, Arizona. My mom and her new husband in apartment 28 with me and my sister, my dad and his new wife in apartment 30 with her four kids, and then they ended up having two more. So I had an all-black household and an all-white household, and I grew up right in the middle of both of them. And every stereotype that you could think of existed, Dr. Janie, every single one of them. Dad's house was Motown, gospel music, collard greens, fried chicken, all that stuff. Mom's house was country music, rock and roll, uh, her on the couch, whistling show tunes, that type of thing. And so I grew up in the middle of these two things. And at the time, it was very difficult. Identity wise, because my skin was too dark to be considered white and too light to be considered black. So I didn't know where I fit in. So it was very difficult when I was younger. But now I'm so grateful because I can see from other people's perspectives. I can I can understand a Hispanic perspective, a black perspective, a white perspective. I can understand all of those different aspects now, which makes me a uniter of people versus a divider because of that unique uh, perspective. So grateful for it now, very difficult when I was young. So 
the divorcing of your family and really developing your identity. So we are going to take a break. We are here with Glenn Lundy, Rise and Grind, and the host of the popular show, Breakfast with Champions on Clubhouse. We'll be right back. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back. Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are here with our special guest, Glenn Lundy from Rise and Grind and the host of the popular Breakfast with Champions on Clubhouse. So hope you can join us. So right before the break, we were talking about those painful moments of childhood that have developed and contributed to the man that he is today. So, you know, welcome back to the show, Glenn. Thank you. Yeah. Honored to be here. This is great. 
You know, you also talked about a time, or at least I've heard you talk about a time in your life that was hard and it was a fast lifestyle. You talked about it a little bit before a break where you were caught between chasing women, experiencing, experimenting with drugs and trying to manipulate the law to stay out of jail, that your life was a constant whirlwind of lies and manipulation. But when you think now about that young man and the space and the headspace he was in and that whirlwind of lifestyle that he was living at that time, what do you see now, knowing the journey that you had taken since that time in your life? I mean, what do you say to him if you could go back in time and knowing your own mindset at that time? And if the Glenn Lundy of today was to go back to that Glenn Lundy who was in that world that was lost and trying to figure out who he is. I mean, what would be the wisdom of the Glenn Lundy today that you would share with that young man? So a couple of things. If I went back in time and got to go face to face with the younger me, um, the first thing I would do is I would say thank you. I would I would thank him for teaching me all of the things not to do. <laughs> Literally teaching me how not to live. And um I would have to start there cuz I'm very grateful now that I can have a conversation with a homeless person and be able to connect with them on their level. I am grateful that I can have a conversation with a drug addict and be able to connect with them on their level. I am grateful that I can connect with someone who uh, was addicted to surface level physical only relationships and I can connect with them on their level, right? So I'm incredibly grateful for that young um, Glenn, even though he was wild as all get up. As far as wisdom, I would maybe impart on him because I do, I don't want to say regret because uh, that's not the right word, but I got started late as far as making a positive impact. I've always been a leader. I've always been able to attract humans to me. And for the first 30 years of my life, I led those people down the wrong path. I was uh, definitely... Uh, uh, <laughs> definitely a um, an influencer in the wrong, in the wrong way, right? Uh, uh, what is it? a positive influence versus a you know a negative influence? And so, I would just probably remind that young Glenn, like, hey, this leadership gift that you have, if we if you turn it to good, if you turn it to good instead of to bad, it'll transform your life for forever, right? And we can reach so many people, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, maybe ultimately one day billions of people if we take our gifts and use use our powers for good instead of evil. And so that's probably what I would impart on him is like, look, bro, you're going to be a leader whether you want to be or not. So do you want to lead people off a cliff or do you want to lead them to be the best versions of yourself, of themselves they can possibly be? And in this case, now here I am, leading people in a positive direction and the results speak for themselves. Well, the results absolutely speak for themselves. And you know, when I think about our human condition, we all want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to be loved. And one of the things that I just heard you say is your ability to see people. So when I think about Rise and Grind, your messaging, when I see on Rise and Grind, when I'm hearing you on the audio app, Clubhouse, Breakfast with Champions, that is your gift. 
And that was, those are the results because it is if you are, and this is uh, to me a hallmark of a phenomenal, not just a good speaker, phenomenal speaker, is that when they are speaking, it's almost as if they're just speaking directly to you, right? Mm-hmm. And you do that in a way and you do it well. So when you think about that time in your life, I know I've heard you speak about it. So if you can give us some wisdom of what you've learned about it, the time in your life where you felt invisible, because I also know, right, when the, being a story connector, that it's not by accident that these are your gifts. It's usually not only when you talk about that you can see people who other people would probably go on by the homeless man or the drug addict and won't see them because they're just seeing them for their flaws or they're seeing them for their challenges, but you have that ability to see past them. Talk to us about that time where you felt invisible and what have you learned from that time now when you look back at everything that you went through during that course and time in your life? Yeah, it was something I would never wish on my worst enemy. That's for sure. Like when I was homeless, I was in um, San Diego, California, and it's beautiful there. It's like my favorite place on the planet. I do intend to die on the beaches of San Diego, California one day. That's my retirement plan. And uh, But I was in San Diego, and I spent every day uh, while I was homeless sleeping on the buses at night and spending my days uh, searching for change along the beach and uh, you know, along the streets. And if I could get enough change for a sausage muffin with egg, that was great. That would fuel me for the day. And then I would look for some more change so that I could ultimately get on the bus and ride it overnight because it was the safest place to sleep. And so surrounded by decadence, surrounded by beauty, surrounded by uh, picturesque families on the beach laughing and playing and uh, you know, the guy who's super fit runs by, you know, he's jogging, he's got his music and there's beautiful women and the scenery, right? It was just such a beautiful, beautiful place. And here I was um, basically invisible in that environment, right? People wouldn't make eye contact with me. Uh, people were afraid maybe I was going to mug them or whatever, right? And so being homeless doesn't suck because you don't have a home and it doesn't suck because you don't have money. It sucks because you literally become invisible and no one says your name. No one looks your way. And so in that particular environment, surrounded by so much, it was devastating to my soul, to my spirit, right? Like I lost all hope and here I am. I'm a very smart human. Like I'm a a very smart guy. Uh, There are many things that I've been able to do and I've always been able to to create. Uh, But in that moment, Janie, I just felt like I had zero value, zero worth, and that the world would actually be a better place without me in it. And that's what this, that's what invisibility does to you is it steals your spirit and it makes you feel 100% 100% like it's it's not just that the it's not just like people think this all the time people think that someone when somebody commits suicide it's a selfish act I've heard people say that all the time how could they be so selfish now we all have to suffer we're all in pain so on and so forth here's my reality when I wanted to take my own life I truly believed 
that it would it would make other people's lives better. It wasn't for me to get out. It was so my my mom didn't have to worry about me every single night, whether I was alive or dead. It was so that my sister didn't have to be embarrassed that her brother was some homeless bum on the streets of San Diego, right? It was so that the people that I continued to take advantage of would be protected. They would be safe. They wouldn't have to worry about me robbing, cheating, or stealing from them, right? It was really this idea that the world would be better if I took myself out, and so experiencing that, the worst feeling in the world, experiencing that now, I just don't want anyone to ever have to feel that way because it's such a lie. It's not true. It's all made up in, in, our, in, our, in our minds. I mean, it's not the reality of the situation. The reality is that every single human being on this planet is a piece of a puzzle, is a piece of the whole, and is integral to the ascension of humanity. Every single person plays a role, I believe, right? And so now that I know that feeling, and I know there's people out there that feel that, I feel uniquely positioned to be able to go into the deepest, darkest corners, the shadowiest, if that's a word, <laughs> the, the, the deep shadows where people are lurking and hiding. And I feel like I'm uniquely capable to be able to walk up to them and hold out my hand and say, hey, I see you. I hear you. You are significant. And even more importantly, I love you. You are my brother. You are my sister. I absolutely love you. So let's figure out what we can do so that you can love yourself and step into uh, ultimately the divine greatness that exists inside. Uniquely capable to let them yeah. feel seen That's and right. loved and taking them on that next journey just internally to make them feel seen by you seeing them. And as you're saying that, I'm getting this image of even in the digital space, you are uniquely capable of doing that because you'll call people. I get this image of this like Glenn standing with his little crew and he sees the guy over there or he sees the girl over there and he's calling them by name and he's saying, come over here. I want to get to know you. Those are the images I get when I hear you <laughs> constantly calling people's names. And I think that's how I first met you is calling my name and didn't even know All who right. it was. <laughs> right. So, you know, you do have and you and to me, that's also you are embracing all of God's gifts for you and to do mm. that and to that moment of not knowing whose life you're touching or who is going through something or that person that got on the digital space that may have thought that they no longer want to live because others are better out there for them. You know, so truly, but let's let's I want to give people hope in the sense of let's put this in perspective now. So tell everybody, Glenn, how many acres are you living on in your dream house with your seven kids and your wife? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that they just hold on, hold on in that moment. Right. They can live the life of their dreams. <laughs> this is very true. Yes. If you uh, you shift to making a positive impact versus a negative one, it matters. And so uh, we have a big I have a beautiful, it's hard being a humble person, but I have a, I have a beautiful 8,500 square foot home sitting on 10 acres of land. I have a two acre pond filled with, with bass and bluegill that my kids get to fish on and they've got four wheelers and dirt bikes and 
all of these amazing things. Uh, we have an, we've just been blessed with in, in, incredibly beautiful home, beautiful family, a beautiful opportunity. And I think about them all the time. I think about if 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 God would have allowed me to take my own life uh, back when 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 I attempted to do so, if He would have allowed that, like. Dude, none of my kids would exist, man. Kira wouldn't be here. Savannah wouldn't be here. Joel wouldn't be here. Willow wouldn't be here. Meredith wouldn't be here. Fisher wouldn't be here. You know, Oakland wouldn't be here. Caroline wouldn't be here. And who knows what kind of impact they're going to make uh, going forward. And so every time I look at the house, every time I look at the pond, every time I see the kids zooming by on their four wheelers, every single time I'm just reminded like, Dude, there's you are so incredibly significant. And even though we feel so small, we feel like we're one of seven billion, that one of seven billion is significant. The impact and the ripple effect that you can make, and it goes all the way back to studying Jesus himself, right? The impact and ripple effect that that one human can make on a planet is real life stuff, man. It's real life. So keep fighting, keep climbing, keep showing up, right? Keep showing up even when it sucks. Become the best version of yourself you can possibly be and uh, make an impact in other people's lives. That's what it's all about. Keep fighting and keep living moment by moment because that moment will pass. It will That's pass. It. You know, since we're talking about family, you know, Kevin O'Leary, he has this popular video clip discussing the hard truth about entrepreneurship. Not sure if you saw it, but it discusses he discusses one of the most important decisions that we will ever make as an entrepreneur is who we will marry. So what have you learned on your own journey of eight kids, multiple businesses to stay connected and to continue to strengthen your marital relationship? What can you share with us? Yeah, this will sound a little bit awful at first, but this is the reality of the situation. I'm very uh, open. I'm an open book. Yeah. So in my experience, like I found someone who loved me more than I loved them. And here's what I mean by that. I used to chase the women that treated me awful. The women that were, you know, they were just terrible human beings. And, and I, that's what I was so attracted to that for the longest time. And I met my wife, my now wife, and my wife loved me deeply, man. She would do absolutely anything for me. And I kind of blew her off for a little bit here and there, you know, in the beginning of our relationship. And I was still seeing other people and things like that. She was actually pregnant with my daughter for six months while I had another girlfriend, right? Not not a hidden girlfriend, not an affair. Like I was in another relationship. She was over here pregnant by herself, right? And so once I finally uh, opened my eyes and my heart to the fact that someone that loved me so purely could, um, you know, could be attractive, that that could be an attractive quality, because I didn't find that as an attractive quality when I was younger, felt like it was needy or clingy or something like that, right? But once I opened my heart to that, I fell deeply in love with this woman and now, you know, her and I are complete opposite. I look at it like I am a kite flying all the way up here and there's this little string and my wife's on the ground with the string 
And she keeps me from going too high. She keeps me from running into a tree or a telephone line. Like she keeps me somewhat grounded, but she lets me chase my dreams. She believes in me a hundred percent. She's the most supportive human on the planet. And so I'm a big traveler. She's a stay at home type. I'm a, uh, a big city person. She's a country person, right? And so we've been able to find this, this unique, um, this unique balance where she fills the voids where I am weak. She is so incredibly strong and where I am strong. Those are ultimately her weaknesses. And so together, it's not just that we're two times better. It's that we're a hundred times better uh, just because we're so supportive and, 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 and able to elevate each other's games in those particular areas. So yes, hundred percent agree. Find someone that loves you. More than you love them, open your hearts to the fact that you can truly, truly find happiness and joy and a partnership in your marriage. My wife and I will be married 10 years this year. And people that knew us in the beginning would have never imagined because we were uh, like Eminem says, man, a volcano and a tornado. It was wild <laughs> in the beginning, but uh, it's been amazing. And I could never be where I am right now if it wasn't for my wife. There's no way, no way. And I also hear in that, Glenn, that the two of you respect each other's differences and you honor and support them, but also having the boundaries to protect that sacred space. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Like, for example, we have, uh, you know, 250 days a year. So 250 days a year, I have pledged to have breakfast and dinner with my kids, right? 250 days a year. That means I'll be there in the morning when they're eating breakfast, even if I'm not eating breakfast, which I'm not right now because I'm fasting till noon, but I'll be there in the morning and I will be there at dinner 250 days a year. Now that leaves me 115 days to travel, to go speaking, to um, do all of those things. My wife doesn't want to travel. She has no desire to travel. She doesn't care about any of that. And so by creating that space, she knows what to expect. She knows that I'm going to be there for breakfast and dinner 250 days a year. And I know that I have the freedom to travel and experience and chase my dreams in whatever way I want to. And because we have that knowledge of she's going to get what she needs and wants, and I'm going to get what I need and want, it just makes, uh, it makes the relationship very symbiotic. The key nugget relationally is not about control, but it's about agreements and respecting the agreements. Awesome. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. So going along here, so between Rise and Grind and Breakfast with Champions, I mean, you have interviewed some like amazing people and I've been introduced to some amazing people through you. But who has had the most impact on your your life as far as the people you've interviewed, the people that you've been able to be and share spaces with them and, and why? And why would those people that are going to come to mind for you have had the most impact on you? Yeah, sure. Um it changes with seasons, right? So as far as like one human that's made the biggest impact on me, like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say one human unless you gave me a time period. I'd be like, well, tell me when, when, when do you want to know? Right. Cause when I first got into the car business, when I was 19 years old, a guy named Jason Kitts made a massive impact in my life. He poured into me. He, uh, he was kind of hard nosed, but he was grunt. So he helped me build my, my grit and uh, uh, my ability to stand in there and take a punch or two and be able to stay in the fight. Right. And, and so he was great for that season. Then there was the season that, 
uh, after I got out of homelessness where my the most impactful people in my life were Eric Thomas, Les Brown, Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, uh, Tony Robbins, uh, all of the motivational speakers that I did not have physical access to, but I could I could find them on a YouTube video or a, a podcast or whatever. And they made a huge influence in my life during that season because I really needed some guidance. Then, of course, my wife took me from here. I was like here and she took me way up here. Uh, she made a massive impact just because she loved me so deeply. She would get so frustrated if I wasn't living my full potential. Like it would drive her nuts. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, come on, you got more, right? And so she was a huge impact. And then there was a guy named Josh Cummins back in 2011, January 11th, 2011. I applied for a job at uh, Dan Cummins Chevrolet and Buick in Paris, Kentucky. And Josh Cummins, the owner of the dealership, even though I had a bad criminal background, I had uh, um, bad credit and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. This guy took an opportunity on me. And not only did he bring me into his company and allow me to work there, but he, he, he treated me like a king, man. I mean, this guy literally would have washed my feet. Like he was such a servant leader. He poured into me. We worked out together in the mornings. Our families were together. We became best friends. We became brothers. And he taught me everything he knew. And I helped grow and elevate him as well. And so it was very symbiotic once again. And so for that season, Josh Cummins, because he was a servant leader, really made an impact in my life. And then most recently, uh, my, my, my friend, my female friend, Danelle Delgado, she, um, really opened my eyes uh, three or four years ago. She really opened my eyes to this idea of we can create a business around our life. We don't have to create a life around our business. And that was a game changer for me. And, and, and really has, uh, she's really made a massive impact on me over the last four years. She's just a, a brilliant human. She, she encourages, she lifts up, she inspires, but at the same time, she'll smack you around and make sure that you uh, realize you got more in the tank. <laughs> and we are absolutely so grateful that you've introduced us uh, to her a phenomenal human and look forward to all that she has to share and look forward to meeting meeting her in, in New York City as well. You know, I want to go back a little bit um, to the spiritual part. And if you can share with us as we uh, wind down this um, episode, you've also shared that what matters most to you is that putting the spiritual first and that everything else will fall into to place. Could you break this down for us a little bit? I'm like, I like to give people practical information. So in practical terms, like what does this actually look like in your life right now when you think about putting spiritual first and then everything else falls into place? Yeah. So a perfect example of this so that you can physically tangibly touch it and taste it is I wake up at three 20 in the morning uh, I, now I wake up at three 20 in the morning and if I didn't have a show, I wouldn't get up that early, but I get up at three 20 in the morning and I do my morning five, right? No snooze button, all of those things. And then I take out my notebook. I've got, uh, these notebooks that I love and I take out my notebook and I write the words, good morning at the top of the page. And after I write the word, good morning on top of the page, I then wait and I reflect and call it God, call it whatever you want, uh, flows through me. I call it a download. I get a download. 
And then I write out this 30 minute show that I've done 903 times now as of today, wait, 904, today's Thursday. So I write out this show and then I jump in my truck and I drive to the studio and I go live at 5.30 a.m. with the show that I just wrote an hour ago. And I've done this every day for four years. People ask me all the time, why don't you pre-record? Why don't you write them out ahead of time? What happens if you write good morning and nothing comes, right? And my response to that is when I try to plan it out ahead, it comes flat. It's not real. It's not authentic. It's not, it, it's just not the same. When I bring it that day with the message, it's always more impactful. It's more connected and it's more relevant. If I write the words good morning and nothing follows, then I will know that that was the last episode of hashtag rise and grind. I'll know that. And so that's what I mean when I say start with spiritual first. That's what it looks like in practical application is so many people are so caught up in where they're going or where they're supposed to be. No, no, no. Just show up. Show up today with the right heart and the right intention. Once you show up, You'll be guided. Your spirit will guide you to the things that you need to do physically. The spirit will guide you to the things that you, the areas of opportunity and growth mentally. The spirit will guide you to the relationships that are important and valuable, right? So instead of trying to figure out the steps, instead, trust, show up, open your heart, not your mind and your body, but open your heart and let God, the universe, whatever word you want to use, lead you to your, to your destiny. That's my belief. Trust and openness and let God in. Last question, 30 seconds. Your son, Joel, he's 35 years old now, and he's getting his mental health checkup, Glenn, and he finds a safe place in America's favorite psychotherapist's office, and she asks him about his childhood. She asks him to reflect on who his father was to him in his childhood and teenage years. In a few words, what does he say? Present. (laughs) that's what he's that's what he's gonna say uh he's gonna say my dad was there my dad dad was at every ball game my dad was at every practice my dad was present and uh and my dad told me that i could be anything that i wanted to be in my entire life i whisper into my kids ears when they're real little before they even know dr Janie, i do this with every kid i just whisper i say you are a superhero (laughs) you have a superpower and as they get older, they say, well, dad, why'd you always tell us that? What's our superpower? And I say, your superpower is you can achieve anything you put your mind to, right? And I just whisper that into their spirit as often as I possibly can. So in one word, he's going to say present because I will always be there for my kiddos. Present and not the presence. And he can be anything that he wants. Thank you so much, Glenn Lundy, for being with us on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. So in the words of our special guest, Glenn Lundy, all these G's, (laughs) who loses (laughs) if you don't win? Thank you for joining us on another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. 